You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast, a podcast for people who want to learn more about their personal finances and get the most from their money. This series is hosted by Kate Campbell from How To Money and Owen Raskovich from Rask Finance. The Australian Finance Podcast is provided for educational purposes only. The information is general in nature and does not take into account your needs, goals or objectives. What that means is the information does not apply to you specifically. So consider getting the advice of a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information. And the market hits record lows since Feb 2019. <laughs> nice one, Kate. So what are we talking about in this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast? Well, today I thought it was quite topical at the moment to talk about sort of filtering through financial news and being an informed consumer of financial media because mm-hmm. I think everyone has probably seen even if they're living under a rock. In the last few weeks, we've seen headlines about the market hitting record lows, record highs, Mm -hmm. and some of these numbers are just record highs since a few months ago or record lows since a few months ago. So they're often misleading Mm -hmm. and they can take us down the wrong track if we don't look through them carefully. And financial news is designed for eyeballs and clicks Mm -hmm. and it's not always factually accurate or they might be twisting the numbers to suit their purpose so that's why i thought we'd dive a little bit deeper today into what financial media is where we consume it how Mm -hmm. we consume it and sort of some tips and tricks to not get swayed by the attention grabbing headlines that make you click on that facebook article every time cool Sounds like um, a really important episode, not just for financial news, but also just for consuming information in general. Yeah, we don't want that fake news. No. So, okay, I think you've broken up the outline for this episode very well. So why don't we just kick things off with what is financial media and what are some everyday examples? Yeah, so I'd pretty much say financial media is any source of media that has to do with finance. And I think the interesting thing is that journalists are often providing us our source of financial information. 
And a lot of journalists don't actually have any background in finance. And there's a lot less regulation of what journalists say. So a lot of people in the financial services industry are tightly bound on what they can and cannot say Mm -hmm. uh, by whatever their guidelines are or whatever their service is. And they can only stick to what they know. But journalists have really a free reign to say whatever they want on the internet. And yeah, within reason, of course. But, but even yeah. if you're reading blogs, there's some massive blogs that, and they can say whatever they want. Yeah, well, and I think that's part of the allure for them, right? Because they can have uh, an impact on people's lives. Yeah. It's like news you can use, right? So, um, okay, so what are the type, where would you get your financial news? Like, what, what are you talking about? Are you talking about like podcasts, blogs, yeah, papers? Yeah, so I, I guess there's the, the everyday, mm-hmm. the, um, as soon as it happens, financial use of the market just hit this high or mm-hmm. Apple drops 10%. So you're probably getting this news from, um, I mean, in Australia, the financial review is one source I quite like. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloomberg, they have free news and that's sort of a global service. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll, that always has those clickbait headlines. As soon as it happens, you get the notification on your phone. Yeah, you do. So I probably find out way too many things from there that I probably don't need to know real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you wake up in the morning and you see all these notifications of what happened in the US overnight. True. Uh, I like Bloomberg. You can go on YouTube and you can watch Bloomberg News 24-7 if you're so inclined. Yeah. So it's like a news channel that's dedicated to investing in finance. I like it. I mean, uh, people might be getting their news in Australia from ABC Business mm-hmm. yes. um, or ABC Radio. A lot of financial professionals are invited on there to talk about what happened during the day? Why did this stock go up? Why did this go down? So they're giving their views and opinions on why they thought something happened or what their predictions are. I think everyone loves getting financial um, experts, so-called experts, onto the news to say what's going to happen next. Or yeah, and it's no one has a crystal ball. It's you hear one economist say mm. one thing, another economist say the complete opposite thing on the same day. I got to say, I don't think I've ever listen to the ABC News for the finance section or watch the ABC business show. Really? Never. I think a lot of people of our parents' generation get Oh, they love it. Like the boomers love... They get their financial news probably from the mainstream TV channels. Yep. Whereas I'm probably getting in-app notifications from Bloomberg, VinReview, and that's sort of my news. Mm. If it really interests me, I'll click on the notification and read the article. But otherwise, I'm just sort of consuming news from a headline, which is quite a strange concept mm. yeah true okay so that might have been come across a bit weird why i don't listen to news <laughs> um so i think i approach my life like i do my investing if i'm going to do something i want to get a benefit from it that goes more than just a day and like it, it i get a return from it and so when i think of information i think there's two reasons people consume information the first reason is for entertainment and the second one is for knowledge I consume most of my financial media as like for the second category for purpose. Mm. It's for knowledge. I don't consume financial media just because I like it. I consume it because I want to get smarter and better. Yeah. It's often, I think that's the danger zone when entertainment and knowledge combine, Mm -hmm. especially in finance. Yeah. Um, And that's probably where you start. If you know something's sort of for entertainment purposes, then you're going to treat it with one uh, frame of mind. And if you know something's, something you're going to learn from you'll treat it differently but if it starts to merge between entertainment and knowledge then i think that's where you start getting off track that's interesting um i'm just trying to think of 
entertaining finance things. Well, it's more like the headline. It grabs you, grabs your attention rather than something that's very in-depth on how do bonds work. Yeah, true. Which you might be reading for knowledge or you're reading something, some funny piece in the Batuta Advocate. But when it starts like attention grabbing headlines, which stock's going to go up? I think Mm. like those five hot stock picks are often in that intersection of entertainment and knowledge. True. Yeah, you can. Yeah. And they're, they're, I mean, they're, it depends what you're getting from it. I suppose that's mm. like a very shallow analysis, like those types of things. Yeah. Like when I read books, I'm not the type of person that picks up a Harry Potter book. Like I never did that. I'm not the type <laughs> of person that, I don't know, reads like a crime thriller or something like that. It's always like if I'm going to read something and I'm going to put the time into it, it needs to be something that I'm going to get something from for a long time to come. And so, but the same thing when it comes to news, 99% of the stuff that's on the internet is absolute rubbish. Mm. And I think it's really hard to distill what is rubbish, particularly in finance, because there's all these spruikers like talking about stocks, talking about property, talking about this, talking about that. You just need to disregard them and you need to get to the good stuff. So Mm. what, so you've said AFR, what are you looking for in terms of like quality resources? Like, is there any way that you can break it down so that you know you're getting a good piece of information? Yeah, so I probably, I start with maybe when I was getting started, I probably looked at everything Mm -hmm. and then I sort of worked out this was more quality information by, I sort of saw that whatever they were offering, why were they providing you this information for free? What was in it for them? Um, And often people will run a business and provide free information and then that's perfectly good information. But it's, it's good to look at what is the person's reasons for providing this free information Mm. um and also i guess the quality usually i don't know if this is probably but if it's better edited often it's more sort of thought out and sort of presented properly if if sometimes those clickbait articles are very rushed because they've got to get it out so and looking for often if you're going to learn something it doesn't matter if it was published two years ago in most circumstances if it's a quality piece of information that you can learn from and I, I guess you started, often started at the Money Smart, the ASICS Money Smart website and sort of went from there. So once I knew the basics of a topic, then I felt comfortable to uh, go out on my own into Google and uh, sort of fact check. Venture out into the wild. Yeah. When I was, then once I understood the basic of a topic, whether you talk to an advisor, if you look at Money Smart, mm-hmm. if you talk to a friend who knows some things about the basics of finance. So once you understand the basics, I think it's, you've got at least some protection when you go out mm. into the wild world of Google. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. So you learn those foundations. And you made mm. it, you touched on a really good point that what's important, so the, the best content for educational reasons and to improve yourself doesn't have an expiry date yeah. most often. So if you go back and you pick up a piece of information or a piece of news from like 10 years ago, and it was about the principles of sound long-term investing or money smarts yeah. and how to budget properly, like that's the same thing that those things are still mm. relevant today. Like we talked about uh, the George Klassen book, which is the richest man in Babylon that was based on stones that were written thousands of years ago. So that stuff about budgeting hasn't changed. Yeah. And you could pick up those stones today. And if you could read whatever Babylonian language it was, <laughs> um, you could still get the same budgeting strategy that most people push today. So I think that's the difference is recognizing why you want what you what you're trying to get out of why why you're spending this time committed to something and then recognizing how to filter that out so i think you 
set a really good standard there where you go to like the, the honest source or the trusted yeah. source. And then anything that builds on top of that is a positive, but you might get information that conflicts with that. Mm. In which case you've got to know who to trust. And if it's something like the Money Smart website, which is a government run, audited, independent. expert, yeah. independence, you could probably be confident that that's the right answer to your question. Yeah, or and at it, least not trying to mislead you into some yeah, like, some objective to get you to buy this property development or something like that. Yeah, I'll put it this way. Like I've had a lot more, many more issues come from people that are pushing like get rich quick schemes in stocks, mm. like buy, trade this, trade that, than the ASIC website. Yeah. Like that's just the simple mm. fact is that they're trying to tell people to do one thing, which may not be the best thing for them. Yeah. ASIC is like taking a much, um, I guess, conservative tone, but probably the right one. Okay, so... I think one thing, one of the reasons why I don't read the financial news is because it's often negative. Mm. I think we may have talked about this before, but if you go on to say any finance, not just financial news, but like any news update, like 6 p.m. shows, the shows that are like 8 o'clock in the morning, Mm. it takes you on this distinct journey through your emotions. It starts with, oh, hi, welcome. And then it goes to this person got decapitated in this car accident then did you see this war in somewhere overseas and oh my god did you see this other thing and then it ends with something really funny like, and here's a cute cat for you yeah like it distinct it takes you on that journey because they want to manipulate you to watch the whole thing yeah and they get money from ad revenue if you watch the whole show exactly so they can't yeah. if they just left it boring and just said oh this happened this happened this happened and then you turn off yeah so this is where i guess the the knowledge and entertainment are combining yeah, I think in yeah, they're, TV they're just suckering people in yeah. with this sort of stuff. And um, to be honest, like one of the, th- the things that people need to, I guess, relieve themselves of is like the the, the negativity we have in our lives because mm. it doesn't serve anyone any purpose. So you come across negative people all the time, and they really just serve no purpose in your life. It's one thing to be critical; it's another thing to be negative. And you'll come across investors in particular, they sound and finance people sound smart when they're being critical and they sound smart when they're being, they're predicting things. Mm. But the reality is most people can't predict things, but we as consumers of information think that, oh, they're predicting it and they sound really smart. So therefore, you know, it's a pretty good answer. But the most powerful words are, I don't know, because Mm. most of us don't know. Like I interview, you interview people, I interview the best investors in this country and they do not know the answer to everything. They mm. definitely do not. They do not know more than anyone else that has read up on a topic. And yet when they go on TV, they have to have an answer to every question. Otherwise, if they just said, I don't know. Yeah, no they're not going to be invited back. That's it. So They don't invite the economists back who keep saying, I don't know, to every question. Like they've got to... They've got to have an answer and they've got to be somewhat interesting to their audience. That's it. There's got to be forecasts. There's got to be, you know, something around the corner. There's got to be a reason for people to act. And at the end of the day, most of that stuff does not help you. Mm. And that's why I find reading for education or reading for just learning is such a more pleasant experience. Yeah. Um, and I just don't have time to waste talk, talking to headlines that last a day or two days. Mm. To be honest, like if I'm thinking about where I'd rather be spending my time. I don't want to be doing that. And that's like this podcast, you could say, is not a topical podcast. We don't talk about news. Mm. What you hear today which should be relevant in a few years. And that's, I think, the sign of good quality information. Um, okay, so one thing I wanted to talk to here is this idea of social media. And 
why it might actually be a bad thing when it comes to consuming news. So people will disagree with me on this, but most often when you go on social media, whether it's uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I don't know, maybe you can follow people on Reddit, even LinkedIn, all of these things, WeChat, whatever you, whatever you, you, whatever you love. You yeah, that's it. Um, what, whatever social network you can choose and where you can curate your own experience so you can select who you follow, who you block, blah, 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 who you mm. retweet, who you don't. What we're seeing in society, and it's potentially, in my opinion, a little bit concerning, is you tend to follow people that you agree with or who you like, right? And if you are following people who you like and you're getting information from people who you like, it can be it can narrow your worldview. Mm. So you might think that you're a worldly person when all thousand people that you follow on Twitter are financial people. But that is not a good spread or, you know, there, there's no... Yeah. You're not getting capturing the other opinion. And we see that with television now as well, where it's this populism. So where you have shows that are like... Um, I won't mention names, but you could probably imagine who I'm talking about, like shows where it's got like young people on a desk and they're very like focused on one issue, change the world for the better. Yeah. And then someone comes along with a contrasting view and they're very quick to oppose them. Um, and then you have on the other side of the spectrum, you have people that might be like, so like on the right hand, the right side of politics or, you know, capitalist more mentality. And they have an opinion. They might invite one guest on to just as effectively like to be like a balanced show. But you've got to be really careful where you get information from. Mm. Are you getting it from an echo chamber where everyone's preaching from the same book? We all know how that ends. Or are you getting it from a news source that maybe everyone has the same opinion? And the wonderful thing, but also the, the, the difficult thing about social media is you have to be, I think, you have to think about that critically. So there's people that I follow on Twitter that, and I love it because for the investing side and the, mm. all that angle, but people that i totally do not agree with i think they i would never put my money with them but i follow them because they present a counterpoint to almost everything that i yeah think about and i think that's i just wanted to mention that because if you if you've ever watched the the great hack documentary slash movie on netflix it goes into how um the u.s president at the time of this recording was able to use this outside company called cambridge analytica to influence people in the united states yeah and if you think about that in social media and how that can change your worldview, you think you're very worldly. And then mm. it's only when an organization has 5,000 data points on you and they predict how you're going yeah. to vote that they can manipulate you. So just be really aware of that. I think often people, like if you follow someone that's pretty contentious and you don't disagree with, then often people ask you, well, why are you following that person? They're mm. They're wrong. They're not a good person. But... I think often we so we only follow people that we agree with or have a similar view and then we, we miss out on mm. some on the bigger picture. And especially when it comes to investing, I think it was Morgan Housel that said um, that you should follow a lot of people that aren't talking about anything to do with investing, that are experts in psychology and mm. history and all those sort of stuff because that actually gives you that extra context. Totally. And like you can get lost in just thinking about the numbers and the shares and you lose that sort of outside perspective. Yeah, 100%. And um, I think like, he's not the only one that's talked about this idea of you know, having multidisciplinary learning mm. and learning things from other industries that or um, disciplines that to you might not seem relevant, but 
it just broadens your your knowledge base and it's funny yeah. how biology relates to maths or maths relates to english and then you can bring it all together and um i just think that's totally true like you should read around your what you're trying to learn not in it yeah and um that the topic i mean so like if you're trying to learn about something read around it because you'll probably have a much better experience and you'll be able to draw on different um i guess tangents different and you'll um, have a different point of view to yeah, different points everybody of view. Sorry, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. you'll have different insights. Yeah. So there's one podcast, for example, that I listen to from the States, which is an investing podcast, and it's about trading, really. And I kind of shun that word. Like every time <laughs> I hear it, I'm like, oh. But at the same time, it presents a counterpoint to most things that yeah. I just take as gospel. Um, here in right. Australia... Property podcasts are the most popular podcast when it comes to finance. Yeah, I think the, the Property Couch, the that property one's pretty couch, popular in Australia. Yes, it is very popular. I think millions of downloads when you compare that to other podcasts in yeah. Australia. And I've listened to quite a few of the episodes, but I'm not an investor in property, and I think it's just a great way to build the knowledge. Mm. Um, anything else that you listen to like that? Yeah, um, there's quite a few in the US. There's one called Invest Like the Best by Patrick O'Shaughnessy, yep. and he actually makes a point. He's an investor, and he runs mm. a fund but he makes a point of interviewing people who are experts in fields that are anything but investing mm. and i often think it gives you a really different perspective on so many topics and you find that it actually does in a way all come back to sort of investing in life but you don't realize it at the time and you're actually learning something completely different so that one's definitely one i enjoy yeah for sure um i think we've talked about how we spend you know, you've got to invest in yourself and you, you give yourself that hour a day to learn mm. something or to uh, to try and tackle a long-term goal. And for me, that was always listening to podcasts like Invest Like the Best yeah. and reading blogs like the Farnham Street blog, which yeah, is a really was... dense blog, but it's, re- it's just incredible. It's the best blog in the world as and far as I'm concerned. Another one, um, another really interesting site that makes you think it's Wait But Why. Yes, another great one. Is that run by Seth? Oh, uh, I can't remember his name. The I think art, it's Seth the, something. So the articles take a long, long time to read. They're yeah. probably an hour-long article, and he only does a few a year. Yep. But really interesting and different, well-researched, but different perspectives and things yep. you might not have thought about before. Totally. There's a few of those. We'll link to all of these in yeah. the show notes, but there are some really, really good blogs that are written by people that have no other incentive other than just producing thoughtful information. And those are just brilliant. Yeah. And I think I just touched on the word there. Incentive is so important. Mm. It's one thing that we've written down here in our, in our plan for this episode is that knowing what the incentive is of the organization or the author of where you're getting information is so important. Yeah. Charlie Munger says, just tell me where I'm going to die and I won't go there. <laughs> and that's the whole point is that you, if you understand incentives, that's kind of the end of the road. Like just know who they are, know what they're trying to sell you, and you'll probably have a better experience. Like there's, there's financial news sites in Australia where you go to them and you know that the incentive is not to give you the best information possible. Mm. It's to tell you what you want to know, not what you need to know. And then they expect something in return. Take, for example, our website, like Rust Media. We provide that service and it builds awareness for our other products, either through our emails, through our podcasts, like this one's often found on there. Uh, it builds our social following. Like that, we have an incentive there to grow that as big as possible, so it can build on our other services that we offer. Not for any other reason. And I think if you look at any news outlet, they don't do it for free, other than say the ABC, because mm. government. But 
other than that, you know, there's always an incentive. Yeah. And I think having an incentive is perfectly fine as long as you know what it is yeah. and you're comfortable with that. And sometimes the incentives, I guess it depends how far it is in your favor or their favor. Mm. I mean, does listening or consuming that knowledge put them at an advantage over you? I mean, that's a strange phrasing, but does it give them some power over you? Do they Are they some changing your mind on something? Mm-hmm. Or is it sort of a... You could go and if you like that service or that information provided and it's good quality and it's something you're interested in learning further, then maybe you go and have a chat to them, but they're fine if you don't. Mm. So I think sort of just considering what the incentive is and sort of how far they're going to push it. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good point you make. Like if you listen to a podcast like this, mm. know what our incentive is and then are you comfortable with that? You know, yeah. You know, are you comfortable with that? And the other thing which we haven't touched on here, which we totally should have, which I'm surprised we haven't already, is getting a, uh, a counterpoint, like getting a second opinion, mm. finding someone that disagrees. I don't know about you, but when it comes to investing, I prefer to listen to the person that disagrees with me, not the person that agrees with me. Yeah. Because well, you've already convinced yourself of your opinions. So that's it. You don't right? need to hear anyone else helping to further convince you and give you confirmation bias it's good to listen to the other other side of the argument yeah totally so if you listen to a podcast like this you might want to listen to a different podcast where they talk about something else Mm. or they talk about it in a different way yeah and i think that's more valuable than just everyone saying the same thing Mm. hopefully we can bring some guests on that present different points to us too and that's why even though we sort of both are really interested in finance we'll have a we'll be listening to 10 different financial podcasts and reading a whole range of blogs and books just mm. to get different opinions and different ideas. Like totally. I, I love reading all the different personal finance books. Some are complete garbage and have <laughs> ridiculous things, but some are, some have got gold and sort of filtering through and having a look at different sources, you sort of, you find those nuggets of gold. Totally do. Absolutely. Now, oh. I just wanted to include a few tips from oh, yes. a behavioral psychologist that I've actually spoken to on my podcast, the How To Money podcast. Mm-hmm. So he's from the US and he's actually um, he's a, got his doctorate in psychology, but he's actually specialized in investing. So mm-hmm. he, cool. he wrote an article about how to become an informed consumer of financial media. And I might just mention a couple of his tips. So firstly, it was evaluating the source. So mm-hmm. like knowing where it's coming from um, question the melodrama. So often media, they're going to sort of make it more happy or more sad because that gets clicks, getting some emotion. Um, Like no one reads an article, the market did nothing for five weeks. It was like boring. Um, So examining the tone. So he's, I haven't thought about this one too much, but he specifically said, does the report use loaded language um, or make a character tax on Mm. another individual or an organization? Mm, um, so does is there an agenda mm-hmm. or is it an actual news story um considering motives so that we did discuss that earlier and checking the facts so yeah like we discussed earlier getting a counter opinion and going and having a look at a few different sources for sure i think they're great and that who's that from uh so dr daniel crosby so we'll oh, li- yes. i'll link to that article as well and i'll yeah, link to the, the podcast i spoke to him the other day as well yeah cool i think they're great tips um, and there's a nice chart we might include, which comes from Morgan Housel, who wrote a great uh, who wrote a great blog on this idea. We'll put that in the show notes too. Uh, but I think that's it, Kate. So just in summary, we just talk about we talked about the different types of news that you might interact with. Mm-hmm. Be very critical of it, but also, I guess, 
um, be open-minded and look to challenge those Yeah, and don't be scared of consuming like 10 different sources of information to find the best information for you or things like that and evaluating different points of view as well. Yep. Even once you've made up your mind on a certain topic. I, I find that most beginner investors go wrong when they hear one opinion and they stick to that. Yeah. They don't they don't go out and seek yeah, another it's like opinion. Asking your mate, what do you think of buying silver? Yeah. And they're like, Great, go buy it and then that's as far as you go. You don't yep. do any research into the industry, you don't go and read opposing views for and against, um, and you just go and copy what they do. So that's often where people go wrong. Yep. And Kate, you've put some great tips in there. So we'll include those in the show notes. But um, I think that's it. Yeah. So wonderful. Forge okay. ahead and be an educated consumer of financial media. And even though I did beat up on social media a little bit, you can follow us on social media if you like. Yeah, we, we actually we love Twitter. So <laughs> I'm available at HowToMoneyAUS. Yep. And I'm Owen Rask on Twitter and Instagram. You're on Instagram as well. Yes. Cool. And you can lodge a question. You can send us uh, a request for a guest to be on the show. Anything like that. Yeah, or send us your favorite source of financial media. Yeah, if you've got something you'd like to share with us, you can share that at podcast at raskfinance.com. Visit us at raskfinance.com or Kate. Yeah, and I'm available at www.howtomoney.online. Cool. Kate, as always, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.